This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactic and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm Josh Williams and I'm joined by David Hughes. Dave, how are you getting on mate and how is the wig? <laughs> well, look, I've got a cap on today, so that probably answers your question, doesn't it? Um, but beyond the, beyond the hair, um, I'm very good, thank you mate. I uh, hope you are as well. Well, we're probably better than half the Liverpool squad, to be honest, because Liverpool are hit <laughs> by injuries at the moment, um, especially in the centre of defence. Um, so... We can no longer avoid it, can we, Dave? Uh, We've got to the point where, considering the last time we spoke, Joe Gomez was fine. It's getting to the point now where Joe Gomez and Van Dijk are probably both going to be out for a long period of time. Mm. And the centre-back is probably now quite high on Liverpool's priority list. Um, Remains to be seen whether something will be done in January or not. But with this being the case for the first time and in a while, probably, we're going to look at who Liverpool can sign. Um, so, I've picked out two centre-backs. Dave has picked out two centre-backs. I don't know who he's picked. He doesn't know who I've picked. We're going to also talk about a few of the names that Liverpool have been linked with. And just a general chat, I suppose, about central defenders linked to Liverpool. And then once we've tackled that, we're going to look ahead to the Leicester game. Um, so, that's going to be this week's episode. Um, and we'll get we'll get straight into it really. So, in terms of centre back, then Dave, should we start with with your first pick, or should we? I mean, I don't know if you had any sort of criteria or anything like that. Um, yeah, there, there, there was you know criteria basically players who I think would do well defenders in in this Liverpool side. Um, obviously, the criteria for me, I'm sure you would agree, um, would be comfortable playing a fairly high line obviously I'm not sure whether we're going to see that the high line that we've seen over the past 12 months implemented going forwards as high anyway because obviously um it's going to be a test for Liverpool but yeah a comfortable comfortable on the high line you know fairly dominant in terms of duels in the air and on the floor um good physical profile and then you know an, an accurate and frequent passer because we know Liverpool tend to see a lot of the ball, don't they? Um, so yeah, I yeah. don't know if you've got anything to add on that. No, they were they were pretty much my tick boxes as well. I just had, you know, dominance, uh, proactive in your playing style, tall, strong, good in the air, good in deals on the floor as well. Ideally, um, fast, mm. composed, and speed and generally, if possible, has attacking qualities, despite the fact that it's a centre-back. You know, if you think of Van Dijk, for example, Van Dijk has got attacking qualities from set pieces, you know, with long diagonal passes. Those are attacking qualities, sort of thing, despite them being a centre-back. So, if um, if any players had those, then ideally they would, would flag them. But I'm going to go with your first pick then, Dave. Yeah, so I've gone with someone I read about recently, um, and it was Sam Maguire, Sam Maguire who flagged on the marginal pains newsletter. Um, I've looked into him, and you know, there's, there's certainly credentials there. It's a uh, Kalatakar, uh, the Marseille centre back. Well, 
Uh, I've yeah. Picked him as well. I've yeah. Yeah, I've got Come him. on, well, I'll tell you what, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, only, I'll only run through 50% of why, and then uh, you can take over. But, um, but look, I have a feeling this is going to happen. This is yeah. short in the episode. This, but it, let's be honest, it does happen quite a lot when we do these because we tend to look for the same things, and hopefully, we like to know what we're talking about. So uh, that inevitably means that we we cross paths. But yeah, you know, Marseille centre back um, came from Salzburg as well, and come through their their setup, which I always think is quite an appealing facet. When you know you're considering any sort of potential Liverpool buy, you know big unit six four um, plays in a side who tend to dominate in Marseille, finished second in the league last season. Um, so that's one box ticked, isn't it? Really, um, he, he, he always seems to be available. Couldn't see many examples of him being injured over the last few seasons. Um, and if you look at his basic defensive numbers, he's ranking between you know 65 and 70 percent in. In the key areas, things like defensive duels and aerial duels. So, um, I won't steal the alarm like Josh. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a feeling this was going to happen. To be honest, and he's a, he's a good player. But I I first wrote about him in um, September 2019. Um, so about over a year ago now, about 13 months or something like that. Um, and I think it was in reference to. It was either the Wolves or Leicester, or maybe even both. Maybe around the time Harry Maguire left, was that? And left Leicester maybe wanted the centre-back yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, before we knew that, Sue and Sue was going to turn out to be half-decent. Yeah, before we knew about Sue and Sue. Yeah. Um, and he, he just... I was looking for centre-backs for, for these teams, and he, he just showed up to me as, a, as an interesting player. Ticked all the boxes that you want to tick uh, for a modern centre-back who's going to control his environment sort of thing um so i just said yeah i can only echo most of what you've just said there 24 years old uh croatian he is um currently in marseille as you said having joined from rb salzburg obviously there's a link there and styles of play between salzburg and, and liverpool which is always a good thing Cost 17 million at the time and i think is i think his contract runs out on 2023 so we've still got a bit to go there um one thing I did pick up on in terms of the way he uses the ball, he's a keen long passer. Um, he likes to uh, do a bit of Van Dyke in, in that way, but I noticed that a lot of his long passes, the way Van Dyke tends to be diagonal in the direction of Salah, Coletta Carr's passes seem to be, say for example, where Manning is. So it, it, it'll kind of be um, a pass over the top, but in, in almost a straight line sort of thing. Um, which I think Van Dijk tends to do less of. Mm. Um, his aerial success and his dual success when the ball's on the floor. Since moving to League One in 2018, was it, Dave? 2018. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah. Yeah, since moving to League One, he's had a, an aerial success and a dual success, both in and around 65%, which is which is solid. And I think if he came to Liverpool, considering the dominant brand of football, I'd expect maybe those to take a little bit of a boost, even even though it's a bit of a more f- physical league. But uh, yeah, he, he was um, he was my second choice pick. Uh, that I've got a lad in front of him, which I'll get to. But yeah, he was Pleasure. a player that, when it comes to looking at him around a year ago, he just, he just seemed relevant this time around. Mm. Yeah. 
yeah, there's definitely an appeal there. Um, you know, obviously, I think it's 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 a really yeah. good kind of um, what's the term I'm looking for? It's a really good breeding ground, I think. Uh, Liga, and if you look at the kind of defenders who've pl- applied the trade there, especially younger defenders, and then made those those bigger moves. But you saw Gabriel uh, for Arsenal do some something similar, didn't he? he obviously, played for Lille. Um, he's come to the Premier League, and so far looks like he's going to be a success. And he had a lot of players interested in him as well. A lot of clubs, I should say. Obviously, there was there was Everton. I think United were in there. Um, maybe even Chelsea as well. But he's he's ended up going to Arsenal. He looks like a a good player. Um, so yeah, it's 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 not. I think. With context, at least, um, League One isn't quite this the term farmers league that people try and paint it out to be. I think it, you know, there's some really good talent there. Um, I know he's, he's a really good example, yeah. So do I. I had, um, I remember who I can't remember who was talking about it, may have been um, Osmahan, you know, who we went to uh, Napoli in the summer from, from Lille and um. I remember pointing out his goal record, how like fantastic it was, and we had a a well-known Manchester United writer at Reach um, appear in my replies, basically calling it the Farmers League and saying anyone could do it there. And obviously, I won't name him. You probably work it out with investigation, but I just it feels like such a such a kind of uneducated cliche response to that to that league, which you know has proven over the past four or five years the kind of quality it can produce. Yeah, I do. I do think, especially when it comes to centre halves, you do you do tend to do quite well over there, and attacking players as well. If, if you like, he is twenty four years old. That that is young. Go on, what? I, I was just going to say, um, I wanted to get your opinion on Saliba. What's happened with uh, What's happened there? The way it's not happened at Arsenal. Yeah, have you had any thoughts on that? But that was taking us down a little bit of a rabbit hole. Like, to be honest, I have no idea. I have absolutely no clue as to why he hasn't got. Any minutes, yeah. I don't know if it's a personality thing or what, but even before looking at the numbers for, for a potential centre back for Liverpool, he, he showed up as a player with good numbers last season. I think his aerial success was like around 70% or something like that. And he looks like a, a well rounded player, still young, lots of room to grow, um, all the muscles in the right part, sort of thing. Um, and I think he. Yeah, I'm just really surprised he hasn't really got a, had a go of it, considering Gabriel, who's also who was born from the same club, I think, uh, as as hit the ground running. Yeah, I agree. It'd be a, it'd be interesting to see if Arsenal were kind of either planning for the future with him or you know potentially um, seeing as a bit of a dud. I, I assume he wouldn't be because it's a big investment. He's still young, but you do wonder if somebody else could come in there with and. Kind of offer the money back if they if they take it. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's it's probably far too early to be honest to be to be judging on stuff like that. But when when it comes to him being given the chance, you know, players like Rob Holden and that playing ahead of him, I'm not really sure what's happened there. It's a bit of a confusing one, but I think I'll um, I, I'll wait to judge a bit more on that one. Mm. Um, but just what I was saying on Kaleta Car, he's, he's 24 years old. That's that's very clearly still young. But I think if you look at the centre-backs Liverpool have been linked with, um, he would probably be the oldest. I know Van Dijk signed at, at 26, but the lads that we've been linked with, which we will get to, they have been younger than 24. Um, so I'd say if, if, if any move's going to happen for Kaleta Car, it's probably going to be 
soon, um, you know, inside the next 18 months or so before he starts hitting 26 plus, and then then maybe the clubs he's going to move to um, takes a bit of a step down, I'd say. Yeah, I um, on that point, I do wonder, you know, with with any potential recruitment that Liverpool may do in that area over the next six months or so, I do wonder whether there may be this um, this willingness to to buy players who are a little bit older on the basis of the need for them to kind of come in and have a, an impact early on. You know, in, we know traditionally Liverpool buy players and Klopp will tend to bed them in um, just to make life a little bit easier, make that transition easier, take the pressure off a little bit. But I do wonder whether he's going to be looking for more players who are maybe the finished article almost just so they can come in and kind of have a, an impact on the side straight away which traditionally hasn't been the Liverpool way on the clock I'd say So what's your second choice centre back then Dave? To be fair mate I think considering I um, I went first last time we ended up having the same one I think it's only fair that you uh, you go first this time Okay so I am also staying in League One once more um, and I'm going to Lille hopefully you're not <laughs> no <laughs> right, good. Um, so I'm going down the route of Sven Botman um, 20 year old centre back he's actually left footed as well which is always a nice thing for a centre back uh, Dutch 6 foot 3 um, so o- already I've painted the picture there of a, of a 20 year old who is left footed and six foot three. Um, grew up at Ajax, funnily enough. Mm. Um, I'm really surprised that Ajax let him go for as little as seven million in the summer just gone to Lille. Um, but he's, you know, big and strong. Um, he just he just seems to be a, a, a real talent in, t- in terms of his, his aerial success this season. He's posting 70% and his, his dual success is generally... It's strong too, you know, in a little bit lower in around maybe 60, 65 or so. Um, but he just looks like, to be honest, the main, the main thing, the main question I've got attached to him is, is why did I actually let him go? And it makes me worry that he's that he's, that he's a nutcase or something like that. But <laughs> whenever I've watched him and considering, you know, the business that Lille do, um, like they've let, they've let Gabriel go to Arsenal and they've clearly had his replacement lined up immediately. Mm. And he tends to be very good at doing that. He let, um, I think, Nicholas Pepe go to Arsenal. Was that Lille, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he replaced him with Os- Hen. I think is how you say it. Sold Hen to Napoli. Then I think they got in Jonathan David. Um, so they seem to be a really good a good, a good club on the on recruitment side of things. And Sven Botman, when I've looked at him, he just he's got that real dominant presence to him. That you can clearly tell he's he's quite a a physical specimen, really. Um, mm. The only problem with this is he's just gone to Lille in the summer, just gone. So he's contracted until twenty twenty five, which is another five years. And then you couple that in with the fact that Lille are generally quite good at basically taking a buying club to the cleaners, and mm. he did it with Arsenal, he did it with Napoli. Uh, I must admit, I think Arsenal got Gabriel for a decent price, though. I think they got him for around 30, 35 million, but I know they were haggling with Everton all summer, weren't they, Dave? 
Yeah, I think that I think if now hopefully I'm not making this up, but I think there might have been a release clause in there somewhere, um, which may have played oh, a part. Right. Uh, but I think the haggling come down to the um, his contracts because he was. It seemed like he was. He knew a lot of top sides were really in for him, so he could kind of be a little bit more selective. Uh, I think he was nailed on to go to Everton, and then the pandemic hit. It got delayed, and then you know the likes of Arsenal and Chelsea come in and kind of turned his head a little bit. Yeah. But I don't know. This is just a player that's standing out to me a lot already. I think he ticks Liverpool boxes. Proactive, twenty years old, left-footed pick, six foot three. So he's going to be useful from set pieces. Hopefully, early dominant. Um, and I just, I just couldn't really look past him, even though there was quite a few options. Um, mm. But you're, you're staying in League One. So what else have you got? Yeah, so um, it kind of reaffirms the point we were making earlier, doesn't it? That it's it's a little bit of a hotbed uh, in terms of bringing uh, players through to potentially play in the in the bigger leagues. Um, I've gone with Benashiel, uh from Monaco, uh, the nineteen-year-old. Um, yeah, I do think there's. I, I think in an ideal world, looking at this player, you'd probably want them to be a little bit older than a teenager, but. And maybe it it would be better he'd be better coming into Liverpool side that didn't have this defensive crisis. But I still think there's a lot to like there. Um, you know, he in terms of like passes per ninety, for example, he's playing over fifty. I think at Liverpool centre back, you need to be looking around seventy. But I think some of the other players that we'll probably talk on it in a little bit don't really um, don't play that high frequency of passes per ninety and. I always think it's quite hard to scale up your accuracy when you're um, when you've gone from playing maybe you know forty passes per ninety to to an extra thirty odd in, in like a Liverpool side. So I think it's good that you see these players who are already quite frequent and accurate passes. You know he's playing upwards of fifty, but then he's also got a success rate of over eighty five percent. Decent amount of long passes in there too. Uh, we talk about fit physicality. You know he's six four, which is pretty outrageous for a 19-year-old. Um, maybe not as imposing in, in the numbers. You know, defensive duels and aerial duels are coming out in and around 60%. But, you know, let's not forget that we're talking about a 19-year-old here. Um, in terms of the physical traits, the stuff that's a little bit more difficult to capture, you know, without data, I've relied on clips for that. They look good. You no, know, it looks like there's good pr- uh, pace there and reads the game well. But um, I've also read some good stuff on them this year from people who are who are kind of respect uh, and they seem to say he's got the physical traits to go with it, good intelligence as well. Um, he, he just, he, he sounds like a player who could succeed within a defensive Anfield. Um, I think that's important. I think it was interesting in the summer, you know, there was a couple of, it may have even been him getting linked with the likes of United and a few German sides as well. Um, well the link with United well, is is why I know that That's how I know of him. Uh, mm. Before that, I must admit, I, he wasn't on my radar. Yeah. Um, but since, I've, I've took note a little bit more of him. Yeah, he seems to, uh, as I said, seems to be a really, really good profile. If you're talking about potential transfer fees, you could maybe even, when you, you're talking about Monaco as well, who are a side who team to, you know, they do sell, is the best way you put it. Um, I wouldn't call them a feed the club as such, but, you know, they are prone to losing the best players. So you could probably maybe land them for, Around you know 30, 35. That's just a guess, but you know for a, a play with that kind of potential and that age, you know it could go on to be a really good investment. Uh, so it's just a player I like the look of, certainly from a Liverpool point of view. Yeah. So how do you pronounce pronounce his name again? Sorry. So I pronounced it as 
it's Bedashiel. Uh, it's 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 okay. not spelt like that. It's it's spelled B A D. Well, uh, B A D I A S H I L E. Um, but yeah, I think it's pronounced. I've heard comments we call it like Bedashiel. Um, okay, yeah. so we've got we've got Bedashiel, we've got Botman, and we've got Coletta Car. We were supposed to have four, but we clashed with the same one. Mm. Um, and. We decided to come up with names that Liverpool haven't yet been linked with. Um, those names are Ben White, um, Ozan Kabach, Breme, and Dayut Apamakano, who we've talked about talked about before on this podcast. Mm. Um, of those names, Dave. In fact, I'll throw another one in as well because we've been linked to. Um, I think it's Pay Shares at Ajax. Who we faced a few weeks ago, actually. Mm. Um, I must enough, he, he, I was going to say he, he was a player I was interested in looking into deeper because he was. I was thinking about him potentially being one of my picks because when he played against Liverpool, he coped relatively well with Mane. I thought, and he was about. I remember him being about six four, and I think he's still a teenager or he's twenty now. I think actually, mm. um, but when I looked into his numbers. Despite being six four and being a really big lad, basically, his aerial success was poor. His aerial success was in in the forties, fifties, percentage wise. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that just put me off him immediately. But I don't know. But in terms I must of admit, the, I just the, on him really quickly. Sorry, Josh. I uh, I must admit, besides watching him against Liverpool, I just knew very little of him. Um, hardly watched him. I'd heard much about him. So. Um, I'd have to hold my hands up on that one, definitely. Yeah. I mean, in, t- in terms of the names, White, Kabach, Breme, Upamakano, and possibly Shears, what what are your thoughts on those players? I mean, have you have you got any uh, anyone that you'd lean towards, anyone that you can rule out maybe, or, you know, uh, uh, any of that sort of thing? Interestingly, I'd, I'd say the player you're probably drawn towards is probably the same player that you, you may just as quick rule out. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll provide logic with that. Um, you know, you look at Upa Meccano, on you know, on paper, he's, he is perfect. He's big, strong, you know, wins upwards of 60% of his duels in the air on the floor. Uh, you know, he's he's got really good kind of spatial awareness, technical awareness, playing under Nagelsmann. Um, he's, he's had the, the right kind of um, the right kind of schooling, I'd say, to become a really good centre-back at Liverpool. And, you know, he still may one day become that player. But I think the problem for me, Josh, is he's so on the radar for everybody everywhere. You know, even though he's casual, a football fan will know who he is. I just wonder whether that then inflates his value um, to the point where he, he might become a little bit undesirable. You know, it, it happened with Timo Werner, didn't it, where he looked nailed on to be a, a Liverpool player, you know, a perfect candidate almost. But then as it come on and he be, he become a lot more uh, well-known and talked about in the, in the kind of standard media, not necessarily in the stuff we write, like, you know, the kind of day-to-day journalism. Um I think as that all happened, it kind of inflated his value and people talk most of them had become something that maybe put people off, uh, put Liverpool off a little bit in the end. I wonder whether that'd be the case with Meccano. Yeah, I will, I will say that. I think a few years ago, Liverpool would have probably opted against an Meccano type um, 
because of the need to kind of think outside the box and think differently. I think as Liverpool have got better and better and climbed towards the top of Europe, I think the likes of a Pamacano is so it's such an obvious choice that Liverpool can now just go and get him almost. Like they did with Thiago a little bit. Mm. Um and like they did with, with Allison to an extent, just go and buy the best you can get. And I think there's a rumour that next summer he's got a forty million pound release clause. Um obviously the downside to a release clause is you have to you have to pay it all as a lump sum unless unless the um the owning club are a little bit willing to, you know, negotiate or whatever. Um but I th- I think Anyone beyond the Pamacano is a is a bit of a thinking man's choice <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> um, but I, w- I will say that Ben White looks like a really good player. The only issue with that is I think he'd cost the most. Um, wouldn't be an English uh, owned by a Premier League club, and Brighton don't seem overly interested at the minute in a selling him and b selling anyone really. I think when I looked at the average spend compared to what you get back from sales in the Premier League. I think Brighton were bottom. I don't think I think Brighton is still in a period whereby they're just investing relentlessly and not really selling players to make up for that. Um I looked at Kabach. I think he looks he looks okay. His numbers are good, particularly in the air. Um and he's brave on the ball. He's he's quite bold in possession. He's inclined to do a bit of a little bit of a jaw matter at times in terms of you know, just running through the centre of the pitch until he finds a passing option in it and then making it. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't say he's as filled out as an Apamecano, a Van Dijk, um, some of the other players that we've mentioned. Yeah, he... in terms of Bremer, go on. No, go on. Yeah, I, I was, was just going to say that you'd seen him, Dave. Yeah, just just really quickly, I think um, you know, it's kind of. He has the you know these defensive numbers, doesn't he? But he's he's obviously coming from a, a team who don't play that that kind of style uh, as what Liverpool do. And I think had had it kind of been that different period where the Liverpool could afford to get players a bed in kind of transition zone, so they could you know adjust their game and kind of get used to how Liverpool play, it could be easier. But you might be looking at a player that needs to come in and adapt a lot quicker. Um, that could be an issue for him. I think he looking at his numbers again, he doesn't play as many passes as Liverpool centre backs do, as you'd expect. Um so we'd have to dramatically scale that up. It could be an issue. And one other thing was um he had that spitting incident, didn't he, where he got banned for five games. And you do think, you know, is that kind of a character flaw then in this Liverpool side? You know, do they do they really need a specific character to buy into what Klopp does and be successful in doing it? Yeah, no, it's a good point. I think with Kabak, he's he's two years younger than the Pamacano. And I think personally, he, even given him those two years, I think when he gets to the age of a Pamacano, I'd be surprised if he's as good as him um, at that time. I will say a Pamacano's, you know, we, we probably maybe paint him too well on, on, on this this show. He's, he's not like this, this relentless Van Dyke type player. He does have his flaws and stuff, and he does have things to learn. But I think the the encouraging thing with him is that he ticks so many boxes despite being just twenty two years old and he plays for a club that you can buy players from. He hasn't yet been picked off by a by a European giant yet. Um and in, in terms of Bremer, I think Bremer was one who, who I wasn't really that aware of until I've looked into him. Brazilian, uh twenty two years old, I think he is. I think he's around six foot two. So he 
again, he's already taken boxes. I think he's right full though. Um, and he just he just looks like a decent player. But I suppose he's, I think his aerial his aerial numbers are decent in and around sixty five to seventy percent. I think. Um, so I, I do think that all those players, to be honest, that Liverpool have been linked with, to the degree of sense and a degree of logic attached to all of them. To be honest, there's, there's no one I'm comfortable overly saying we will not buy that player. Um, but I think it's interesting to see what the, the route that Liverpool go down. One, one other little name that I'd like to mention, I'd like to give a shout out, uh, pat on my own back here to, to Wesley Fafana. Uh, because uh. When, when we did during lockdown, one of the one of the sequels that we did, I suppose, was uh, looking at Liverpool's current squad, and obviously we had, there was no football going on, so we looked at Liverpool's current squad, and we identified an alternative Liverpool eleven to play exactly like Liverpool do, if Liverpool's first eleven didn't exist, um, and the player that I selected for Joe Gomez was Wesley Fofana, and obviously he's since moved to Leicester. He's now playing every week, largely because of the injuries that they've sustained. But he's he's doing really well. Um, so that was obviously a, a a good little pick out there. And I think there's been quite a few of them, hasn't there, Dave? Of of players that we've mentioned in the past, um, on this show who've gone on to move to decent European clubs. I think Jonathan David, who we've mentioned earlier in the show, is another one. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. We have to be fair. There's been a few names that we have talked about and. I mean, the thing is, it, it's nice to give yourself a pat on the back, you know, so, like the um, talk about the examples that we've got right. But I think all we're kind of doing is just illustrating that with a little bit of focus, you know, kind of looking at the outliers across Europe, you can kind of identify the players who are going to have a who are going to have a good good career. Like obviously, the Jota one played out really well as well. He Liverpool ended up signing, and we flagged him in April. Um, but you know, the, the reality is, if you kind of know what you're talking about with Liverpool and you look into it and then you look into the numbers of the players as well you can kind of see how compatible they are um, and yeah I guess that's what we try and do don't we we just kind of flag to people listening that um, compatibility is really key to successful transfers and and that's kind of what we've seen some examples of it thankfully Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel I think we'll leave the centre-backs thing there anyway, but we've just went through quite a few names there, and I think it's it's probably, if anything, of an insight into the, the number of names that are potentially available for Liverpool. I mean, most of those players, sign, in fact, all of those players, I'd say, are currently contracted to clubs that Liverpool are probably going to be able to poach players from. Um, they're all of a decent standard, all young, all got fairly high ceilings. So maybe this is an episode that we can revisit further down the line if Liverpool do sign, you know, Botman, Coletta Carr, um, Badishil, I think is is how you said it. White, yeah, yeah. Gabach, Remy, you know, be interesting to see who Liverpool eventually move for. But just on Badishil, by the way, Josh, just on that really quick. Oh. Um, it seems like I'm very smug as if I know how to pronounce that. I mean. We know on this show that I am the worst at pronouncing names by far. Uh, I lean on you for that a fair bit. It's uh, the only reason I know that one is just because I've, I've I've seen it on commentary. That's all. So uh, sorry, heard it on commentary. So I definitely don't want to be taking any credit for no one else to pronounce that name. <laughs> okay, well, I've, I've just I've just googled it. I'd, I'd probably pronounce that. Bit the issue. 
Vidya Shield. <laughs> that's a complete guess. Like, it's a difficult one. I'll give you that one. Yeah. I'll give you a pass on that. Nice one. Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll move on anyway to Leicester. Liverpool's next game. Thank God the international break is over. Um, and any thoughts on Leicester Dave ahead of the ahead of the match? I feel like I've looked at Leicester a fair bit over the last couple of weeks uh, for different titles of ours. But um, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to go into them in detail, I'm sure. So I, I guess I would just summarise for now is. To me, they definitely look like one of the better sides in the division. I think they've proven that over the past 18 months. Uh, they've got a set identity. They've got players that suit, seem to be recruiting well. Uh, they have an effective way of playing. But all that being said, I do think as, as table toppers at the moment, they are in a little bit of a, of a false position, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree on that, yeah. I think... Um... I think under Rodgers and the way that they recruit as well, I think they'll always be a good side. They'll, they'll always be, unless something drastic changes, I think they'll always be top six in and around that. Um, but I do agree that maybe top of the table is a bit of, a, um, bit of an exaggeration. But having said that, they are, they are doing quite well. And I think some of the numbers are, are particularly interesting. Um, for example, I think one that stands out, Leicester at 18th for shots per 90. So only two teams in the league average fewer shots per match than Leicester do. And those two are Newcastle United and Sheffield United. You you wouldn't expect that, would you? That, that's, that's got to surprise a few people, that one. Yeah, I think if... Uh, obviously, we, we we have the the benefit of looking into these numbers day in, day out. But I think if you were if you were definitely like a, a fan sitting at home now, someone said that to you about the side who were top of the table... Uh, after eight games as well, by the way, it's not like we're looking at two or three games anymore. Eight games, which is still relatively small, but a, a decent sample size. Yeah, I think you'd catch a few people out. You'd be surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, one thing you can couple that in with is they're actually top of the league, though, for expected goals per shot. That simply means that when they do take shots, they are of a high quality in terms of relatively easy to convert from good locations um clear cut so what that tells me i suppose is, is that the kind of focused on quality as opposed to quantity um plenty of moves will break down before the shot actually comes because of their constant search for for a clear cut chance i suppose um and i think that's kind of how it's working out for them so i think it's, from a liverpool perspective you know, don't be surprised if we're, if we're coming up against Leicester and they're advancing the ball quite comfortably. Um, well, not comfortably. I think I'll rule that one out actually. But if if they're kind of playing relatively neat football, um, but without taking very many shots at all, and then don't be surprised if maybe after twenty five minutes without taking a shot, they end up taking one that's in and around the penalty spot. You know, that wouldn't surprise me at all, especially considering Liverpool's defence at the minute, Jimmy Vardy. Um, I just wouldn't be surprised if that happened. When you say in and around the penalty spot, Josh, do you mean actually on the penalty spot for the penalty? Because <laughs> uh, they've certainly had some fortune for that with that this year. I mean, I do actually think there's some, you know, it is down to the way they play as well. Obviously, hitting sides on the counter at speed quickly when players are kind of out of position does cause them to to make rash fouls to try and compensate. But I mean, just on the penalties, Josh, I did. Um, I have had a look at this this week 
And one thing I will say is it has they have massively inflated their underlying attacking numbers, in my opinion, especially considering that you know the the two closest sides to them um, in terms of like XG at, at Liverpool and Tottenham. Um, but yeah, in terms of expected goals this season, Liverpool ranked third. Uh, sorry, Leicester ranked third in the table behind Tottenham and Liverpool in first. But then when you take it, when you reduce it to um, non-penalty expected goals, which is obviously a metric that measures shot quality without the penalty contributions, I guess you'd summarise. Uh, they rank down in 12th, whereas Tottenham and Liverpool still rank inside the top two. I think that's a really key difference from what we've seen between like, you know, the three best sides this year being Leicester, Tottenham and Liverpool. I think Tottenham and Liverpool are kind of legitimately there. I'm going to stay there, sustain that kind of, um, you know, top two, top three position where I think Leicester could quite easily begin to just loiter a little bit more closer to fifth or sixth as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, 39% of their Premier League goals this season have been from penalties. Um, oh. They've won eight, I think they've scored seven. And in total, they've, they've scored 18 goals. So, Obviously, a total of 18 goals, you take seven away from that without penalties. I think one as well might have been an own goal somewhere. Um, so that, that would be eight goals off there, so I might be wrong in saying that one now. Mm. Um, but they, they, they did this last season. There was a point last season whereby I tweeted something to do with like something like 40% of their goals at a certain point last season had came against 10 men because they scored so many against Newcastle. And then against Southampton in the nine 0 obviously. So it's it's two consecutive seasons really whereby Leicester have been doing well. And they deserve to be doing well to an extent. But both times, both seasons around this mark, their numbers have been inflated a bit by benefiting from just stuff that you can't really rely on, like penalties, red cards, stuff like that. So um it's gonna be interesting to see. I mean, last season people predicted a, a drop off. The drop off eventually came, but I'm I've 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 always had a bit of an issue with that because I don't think it was a drop off because Leicester weren't that good. I think it was a drop off because the squad was just crippled for some reason out of nowhere. Ricardo Pereira was out for like eight months all of a sudden. Vardy couldn't get fit. Madison was out and Didi was out. They had they had virtually no squad at one point. Leicester. Um. So that for me that's the reason why they fell off last season, but this season. Um, they're getting the players back gradually, but they've got most of their results so far without uh, Madison, without Soyuncu, without Ndidi. Johnny Evans has been in and out. Vardy's been in and out. And they've still been getting results, so they're a bit of an odd an odd case. Mm, yeah, I, I must say on that, I, I think, although it's a good point uh, about the kind of injuries that crept up on them last year, I do de- definitely still think there was an element of regressing to the to the mean a little bit. Um, I was just having a quick look at the, the table from the 1st of January to the end of the season, last season. And in those 18 games, which is basically half a campaign, um, they, would, they, they picked up 20 points, which would have ranked them 12th in the table. So I do definitely think what you probably saw was the first half, one extreme, and the second half, the other. And which is why they kind of finished, you know, in around fifth, I think. I think that was about right for them, and I think top four would have been a little bit, 
little bit too much. But um, I, I mean, just just on the injuries, which is a good point. It, it, they have been unlucky this year, but I think the biggest one that would kill them would be losing Vardy because it does feel like the attack is is as good as it is because of him. You know, it's you could argue in some ways it's almost built around him. He's got such a specific skill set that. I don't know about you, Josh. I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this because I was thinking about this this morning uh, before the show. And I do I do wonder, you know, even though it's really effective, I'm not sure what your, your plan B would be without Vardy and also kind of building an attack around that player or relying on that player to do that specific job at the age he is now. I do feel like there could be a storm ahead in terms of like an adjustment period where things just aren't quite clicking the same because you've been in this set way for so long. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a difficult mm. kind of profile to find. Um, I think he's a super efficient player. Obviously, he's a threat in behind. When it mm. comes to taking chances, he's right there. Um, obviously, he's a bit of a, a pressing monster as well, if you want to call him that. Um but I know what you're saying. I think I, I, I do think that it is is in his tendency to run in behind, create space for the likes of Madison and Tillemans. Um and I do think it's a, it's a it's a well balanced system with him in there. Without him, they've got Ine and Acho, but it's a little bit different, isn't he? Maybe he doesn't possess the same quality and stuff. But to be honest, looking at Vardy, he, he doesn't overly look like he's regressing much on the physical side, despite his age. So yeah, so I think I think Vardy's a Really difficult profile to find, really. Um, I think he's obviously very fast, threatens him behind. As a result, that tends to drag opposing defences back and it generates space in and around Tillemans and Madison to basically create and to dictate the play with, with a bit of space in the centre. Um, obviously, he's very efficient as well. When he does get chances, he does tend to take them. When he gets penalties, he tends to take them as well. Um, hence, his... his Inflated numbers this season, um, but no, I know what you're saying. Um, I think that the, the counter attacking style that, that Leicester play, they've maybe moved away from a little bit under Rodgers, but I think in big games they've reverted back to that to an extent. Like I think the City game, they were very much just so pressure and counter. The Arsenal game away at the Emirates, they won that one 0 a few weeks ago. That was very similar. Um, so I think that style in particular would be very hard to do without Vardy and in behind and just taking a chance every half an hour. Yeah, and I think that he's so um, he's so clinical as well. You know, it, it, you're not just he's not just integral. I think to the game plan and the way they play. I think he's so um, important in terms of converting those chances when he gets them. You know, he doesn't take a lot of shots per ninety, does he? But um, in fact, I had look at this earlier. He's had. I think he's had so far this season nine open play shots. Um, scored three of them, which is a pretty good conversion rate. And obviously, you've got those penalties on top. But he just does seem to be clinical when they, are, um, when they need him to be clinical. Uh, you think of that kind of fantastic flick that he scored against City in the 5-2 game. He's just such a u- unique profile. I think he, not only is he difficult to recruit, for in terms of replacements, I just can't think of a replacement out there. Like, I don't know about you, I can't think of another Vardy profile off the top of my head. I just can't. So, I think it's going to be really difficult for Leicester to replace him. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I think I, I can think of some players who are inclined to just be pure poachers and finish moves, and that's it. 
but maybe some of them haven't got the the pace of them. Like I, I think I think if if Leicester wanted to keep everything the same and he needed a different striker to do what Vardy's doing, I think maybe Luka Jovic would be a good a good one mm. to buy. Um, obviously, since he's moved from Frankfurt to Real Madrid, it doesn't seem to have worked out particularly well. Maybe he'd be available. But he's the type of player who, once the ball gets into the penalty box, he does put it in the net. Um, mm. And I think that's the crux of what Vardy's instructed to do. I think Vardy's kind of um, executing the role of almost a traditional penalty box poacher of sorts, um, mm. albeit with a lot of pace and a lot of benefits when you're playing on the break, which I'm sure they're going to do against Liverpool, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, you think how the game's going to pan, pan out most likely, you know, with it being Leicester going away in, in one of these big games that you alluded to just then, you're going to see them most likely sitting back, maintaining decent shape, um, and then looking to explode on the counter, knowing as well that, of course, Liverpool are going to have a depleted defence by their standards. Um, Rodgers is probably looking that. I think that's the best game plan for us in this fixture, um, and it's probably going to got the best chances of delivering us some sort of success as well. Yeah, it's an interesting one to see how this one's going to play out because Le- Leicester have actually won six in a row in all competitions. They've deserved pretty much all of them according to expected goals. And they they haven't yet drawn a match in all competitions all season. Um, that's 12 games. They've either won or they've lost. Um, and I think in this game against Liverpool, I do think they'll sit back in a kind of mid to low block back five um, using Vardy on the break and I think I've said in the past said last season uh, Liverpool are a nightmare for Leicester this season although I still think it's largely the case in terms of playing styles I think Leicester's game is now a lot more well suited to, to causing Liverpool problems because of Vardy's ability to pop up after 20 minutes of not doing anything, putting the ball on the back of the net and punishing Liverpool's ability to stop counter-attacks. And Liverpool's ability to stop counter-attacks is probably going to be worse in this game simply because of the makeshift defence. So it's it's interesting to see how this one's going to play out, really. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what to expect. Yeah, I think it's good, you know... And if there's one position you didn't really want to be vulnerable, I think in this game, it would be probably the, the defence, in my opinion. Um, we're still not 100% sure as to who is... who's going. We have an idea, but we don't know for, for sure who's going to play uh, in the defence. So, yeah, I do think this is going to be a bit of an acid test for Liverpool, actually. You know, the kind of post-Van Dijk and Gomez era i don't know if you can say era within one campaign but that's what it's going to be you know for the next few months and it will be really uh it'd be really difficult to predict i always fancy liverpool against anybody even in these circumstances but if someone said to me now could you would you if you could pick an opposition to go to anfield who could cause liverpool problems given the way that they set up and play you'd probably pick leicester one of only a one or two sides who could who could maybe be those candidates yeah, it's it's worth noting as well that with Leicester playing a back five, Liverpool being at home, I think we could go back to the whole four two three one thing. Um, Mind you, Salah's out, so maybe that rules that one out a little bit. But it is something that we we, we do do sometimes when when we're up against back five systems. And Josh, um, just on that point, would you bring Shakiri in? 
That's a good show, yeah. You could bring Shakiri in and have a front four of Firmino, Mane, Shakiri, Jota, mm-hmm. I suppose. Uh, the only issue with that is when you want to take one of them off, if you want to change one of them, the substitution is no longer Shakiri. It's maybe Origi, and mm-hmm. there's a bit of a drop in that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good point. And obviously none of those players are getting the rest, but it, it is definitely possible. Oh, yeah, that's a good shout. Um, but I think it's just, it, it, I suppose it would be a way of Klopp going, defending with, a, with an attacking side, almost like kind of pushing Leicester back by just selecting all your best players for them being attackers. Maybe in midfield too. I don't know who's fit, but maybe in midfield too could be Wijnaldum and Thiago maybe. Um, and maybe your, back, maybe your two centre-backs can be Massip and Fabinho. You know, it wouldn't be that bad. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. So, in terms of predictions, Dave, what are we going for? Mm, tough one, this. Very tough one. I've uh, I've been brave in recent times, you know, and certainly um, in the context of what we normally do, show by show. I've, I haven't always backed Liverpool to win. Um, and it, I think it only come off once in the derby, and they, they should have really won that one. So I'm going back to back in Liverpool here. Um, I know it's going to be a t- tough task on paper, but I do fancy them. So I'm going to, I'm going to go for Leicester to score, but I think Liverpool is just going to do enough to get the win. I'm going to go Liverpool 2-1. Yeah, I'm also going to go 2-1. Um, I do think Leicester will score, but I think Liverpool have Liverpool still have quite a lot on attack, even without Salah. Providing Shakiri's available, um, hopefully Thiago's available, which will again add a bit to the attack. Robertson is probably going to be available, I think. Trent, no. But I think this will be maybe one that we just kind of grind out and get over the line, especially with it being at Anfield. Um, but having said that, I still think Liverpool are a nightmare for, for a Rodgers team. But at the same time, part of me is a little bit concerned that Leicester might just sneak this one. Like they did at mm. the Emirates. I think Arsenal dominated Leicester at the Emirates for most of the game. And then second half, Leicester come into the game as it got closer to the final whistle. And they just punished Arsenal on the break. Um, I think Liverpool are more run now to that happening than they have been in like the, the last two years. Mm. So I'm just a little bit nervous of that. But I'm going to go Liverpool 2 1, I think. Yeah. So, uh, I'm looking forward to the game. Yeah, thanks just, for joining just, Steve. Uh, general points I'm looking forward to it um, yeah thanks very much Josh thanks everyone for listening of course <laughs> yeah um, and we will be back next week uh, <laughs> to talk about the Leicester game to talk about whoever Liverpool have got next it's escaped me Dave any ideas uh, we can't we can't end without just having a quick look hold on uh, just, just, got Leicester and then I think got Atalanta through the week uh, and then there's Brighton away. Brighton is, oh, yeah. yeah. That'll be an interesting one. But we'll be back next week anyway, so thanks for tuning in and see you then. Cheers. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.